Whether you're 10 or 100, this conversation is ageless. We know our light when we're very young. Spend time with a child and you are sure to glimpse the soul's unguarded expression. But spend time with two children and you're sure to recognize what makes them uniquely different from each other. Children have this natural knowingness. That's why on Matters of the Soul, I really believe that adults should begin with, what does the child within me need? For all of these reasons, Soulshine is a children's book that grows with age. It's meant to affirm the child and invite the adult to reconnect. I hope that it stirs joy, encourages curiosity, and awakens wonder in you. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for tuning in, Danae here. That voice you heard in the intro is Mary Rob Wilson. What some of you may not know is that back in 2016, maybe 2017, when I was starting Simple Families, I invited two other women to join in to be a part of it with me, sort of a three-legged stool. Unfortunately, they both had babies on the way and other projects that they were working on. So we've each gone in separate directions and pursued different paths. Mary Robb is one of those women. And the reason that I propositioned her to join me on my journey to begin with is because she is someone that seems to turn everything she touches beautiful, whether it's her words, her writing, her pictures. I've always admired her thoughtfulness and her intentionality. So when she told me that she wrote a children's book, I knew that I had to share it with you. But first, I shared it with my own children, and I recorded this quick audio clip after I read it to my children for the first time. Here's what one of them had to say. So what did you think about Soul Shine? I think I really liked it because it had all your emotions just seeking down into the last one. I just think that it was really nice. Yeah? I hope she can make more of them because I want more and I really like them so much. Yeah? What did you think about the soul? Do you think you understand what a soul is now? Yes. What is a soul? It's something that brings your light. Yeah. So what was your favorite part of the book? Um, maybe the dolls. Yeah? I like that. The nesting dolls? Yeah. What did you like about them? I just like it was a good idea to choose them because they go on top and it's like they're rebirthing every time you lose something. Okay. What, rebirth. Do you, what do you mean by rebirth? Like the biggest one, if it gets lost, the other ones will come out for it. Okay. Anything you want to add? No. I loved those thoughts. When the outer layers get jumbled, get lost, the inner layer the soul holds constant. Mary Robb is joining us today to tell us a little bit more about Soul Shine. Her very first book, definitely not her last, and all about how her journey into motherhood has led her to reflect on deep topics like what is the soul? Where is it? What does it look like? 
all these fascinating questions that our kids give us that we never feel quite equipped to answer. You can find the book at soulshinebook.com. That's S-O-U-L shinebook.com. And it would make a great holiday gift for anyone of any age. Thanks for tuning in. And here's my chat with Mary Rob. Hi, Mary Rob. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be here in conversation with you. Yes. Well, let's start by just saying how I know you. So you're a friend of a friend who has become a friend. Is that a good good definition? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I've I've also just been a loyal friend. follower of Simple Family since my first daughter was born. So it's been many years of me subscribing to you and reading your work and admiring it. So beyond uh, friendship. Well, you know, not many people know that when I started Simple Families six years ago or so, I actually, Simple Families is plural, and I had proposed to have two other women join me in it, and you were one of them. And um, you and Laura, the other one, both had I believe buns in the oven and other ventures undertaking, and we're not able to do that. But um, the reason that I wanted you to be a part of Simple Families from the beginning was because I am an admirer of your work and your writing. So I was so excited to hear about your new project. Thank you. I feel so honored that you would say that. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I um, am one of four children. And I am um, in many ways, uh, I guess, a product of my mom's just like absolute fascination in uh, having four children and encouraging us towards the things that animate us and bring us alive. And my parents were divorced when I was 13, which is always a really tough time for your parents to get divorced. And I still remember my dad, if we came to him with an idea, he would pull out this yellow legal pad that he had him on him and take notes. And, um, you know, well after my parents were divorced, that was the one thing that brought them together was, you know, how they could um, tap into our curiosities and um, our sense of wonder and help to be good stewards of that. So um, yeah, I guess when I think about who I am and where I come from, that is probably what stands out the most. And Uh certainly something that I try to emulate in parenthood. And tell us a little bit about your own family. So I um, am a mother to three. beautiful children who I say flood my home with love and curiosity and laundry. I have a daughter who is eight, another daughter who is six, and uh, my son is five. And we are um, in Wisconsin now. We recently took a big undertaking and moved from California to Wisconsin. And um, I've lived East Coast, West Coast, and now the Midwest. Yeah. So are you a full-time parent? Do you work outside the home? I am a full-time parent. And in that, I try to um, squeeze writing a children's book into the margins of (laughs) parenthood, motherhood. Um, I was a grant writer for many years. And um, before that, lived and worked in Washington, D.C., and I have just returned to writing uh, in the last two years from a place that feels really life-giving and um, has allowed me to kind of write from my heart again. Yeah. I love that. 
I love that. So I wanted to start this conversation a little bit about why we should read to kids. And this feels like such a basic question, but I think that the further we get into parenthood, sometimes we need some renewed energy towards it, especially once our kids can read on their own. I think it tends to be easier to kind of just let them do that. So tell me a little bit about what reading to kids looks like in your house. Sure. I love that question. Well, you know, the first thing that springs to mind is first, you know, it's, it's always a good idea to read to children. But I think that when we read with children, we often find that some of the best children's literature can approach subject matter that is, it's big and it's lofty, but it distills it down into this place where we as adults become open-hearted and tender and accessible to the message of it. And to share that experience with our children is a really special, sacred place to go with them and and often takes us to places um, in our imaginations too that are hard to come by through conversation without that sort of a springboard. Yeah, I think that books can help illustrate challenging ideas. I am um, the book, I don't know if you know the book, A Tale of Two Beasts. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. You'll have to you'll have to get that one. It's really good. So it's a perspective-taking book. Um it's about there it's two parts. The first part is the story of a little girl who rescues a beast in the woods. And the second part is from well, the first is told from the girl's perspective. The second is told from the beast's perspective. And he's like, this little girl came into the woods and captured me, took me from my tree. Um, so it's the same story, but told from two different perspectives. And it's seen entirely differently. And it's just so amazing to hear kids' reactions to this. Um, because that's a topic I think a lot of kids really struggle with, you know, seeing the point of view of someone else. But then when you they see it in picture and story format, it just comes to life for them. Oh, I will have to read that. I, you know, I think that there are a couple of great books, old and new. So one that comes to mind is The Little Prince. Most of us have read The Little Prince. Mm -hmm. And when you read it as a child, you'll have certain takeaways. You read it as a teenager and you're going to get, um, you're going to get new takeaways. You're going to have more um, that emerges for you. And then you read it as an adult and especially as a parent and an, an entirely new response to the book emerges. And mm -hmm. That's what I mean by really good children's literature that moves us as adults. I think Charles Mackesy's book um, that came out in recent years, The Boy, the Fox, the Mole, and the Horse, is another really great example of that. And you have adults that are buying it for other adults, and, um, and it, it grows with age. And I, I love books like that. Yeah. I was asking my son's school about their social and emotional curriculum. Um, to, you know, coming off the pandemic, I think it's interesting to hear what schools are doing to help build social and emotional skills for kids. And I loved hearing what they are doing is they integrate the psychology department into literature classes. So wow. they actually bring the school psychologist into literature class to talk about the themes in the book about the, you know, the friendships and the challenges within friendships that come up and family relationships that are all portrayed throughout books. And it feels like such an accessible way to talk about some of these hard, abstract, abstract topics. That's so neat. But yeah, I feel like the, the lessons that come through books, we can sometimes 
have a hard time seeing as parents because some of these things we take for granted, um, like the perspective taking, for example, you know, as full grown adults with fully developed brains, perspective taking is something that comes fairly easy to most of us, but it is a really abstract concept that a lot of kids struggle with. So seeing it illustrated in a book like that helps us to see in a way how to teach it to our kids, to see it through their eyes. So I know that that has been your experience with your book too. So tell me a little bit about how your book was born and what inspired it. Sure. You know, I I have to start by saying first and foremost that I am hardly an authority on the soul <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> some sort of formula to finding your soul. That's going to look different for everyone. But what I am is a mother to a rather inquisitive child, I would say, who um, oftentimes these big existential questions happen at night, right? Like at bedtime when you're tucking them in and you're ready to shut things down, you have a pile of dishes, you have laundry to fold, you have lunches to pack, and they come to you with these big macro questions. And so that's what started happening when my eldest was probably three, four years old and she would, you know, post me as I'm tickling her back at night, you know, mommy, how big is the universe? And can I have another snack? And what does it mean to have a soul? Um, to which that last one, I, I really did pause um, for quite some time because I wanted to meet her in that place where I didn't rush in with all of the answers. But I knew pretty early on, I, I wanted to create more space for curiosity and a sense of wonder to emerge because I don't have that answer. <laughs> um, but I want for her um, and both of us together to explore what questions emerge. And um, right around that same time, I was reading a book by the great Anne Lamott, um, an adult novel, not with her. Um, and she made this really quick reference to the innermost nesting doll of the soul. So if we think of, um, if we look back to our own childhood and think of those little nesting dolls that you unstack one layer um, to another. And I remember thinking at that time, wouldn't it be so neat if we took that analogy a little bit further? So we gave children this visual opportunity to picture our layers of self and peeling back those layers of self. So if we think of the, um, the first outermost layer representing the physical body. So we each come with a physical body, each beautiful, each unique, each different from each other. If we go a layer deeper, we have thoughts. We have a thinking mind where we sense, sort, seek, create from this place. Um, if we then go one more layer deeper, we have feelings or emotions, if you will. And those are really instructive. They are meant for us to pay attention to them, to tune into them. But if we go even deeper than that, we have this soul. And what does it mean? And what does it look like? And how do we get into conversation with it? How do we get curious with it? And in many ways, how do we kind of, as adult and child, deconstruct what that means. Even to use the word soul can be so intimidating. Like I, I have this book event coming up and I thought it's with a lot of women, a lot of mothers. And I thought, you know, I kind of want to hand out whoopee cushions to these women before we start this conversation, because it can feel so heavy. And how do we actually, um, 
create some lightheartedness around it because I think that first and foremost, we have to um, deconstruct what that means. I think that language is often watered down so much. We have these words that we use in the English language like friendship and love um, or creativity or the soul that get really watered down um, or their meaning for some people is really loaded. And so they will run a mile from it. Um, So first and foremost, kind of breaking that down and allowing each other to explore what this word means to you, to me, to each of us. and um, and then begin to 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 explore it. Yeah, yeah. And I am thinking about that question, which has been posed to me: What is a soul? Um, and I think my initial reaction is I'm stumped because I don't really understand myself, nor do I have the words to explain it. So I think that seeing the visuals that you have created not only has helped me to help my kids, but it's also helped me to see it myself. I think that children have this natural knowingness. They are, I believe, much closer to knowing their purest expression of self, which for me, I think the soul is the purest expression of you. It lies deeper than your physical body, your thoughts, or even your feelings. It's that thing that centers you, that makes you, you. Um, And one thing that I love to, to think about as a mom of three children is that, you know, you pay attention to one child and you are sure to witness their, the soul's unguarded expression. They are oftentimes laying breadcrumbs uh, around you of who they are and who they instinctually know um, their gifts in this world to be. And then pay attention to two children. You know, if, if, you, if you have more than one child or um, they don't have to be your own, but you are then sure to see what makes them uniquely different from each other. And, um, and I think that's just, uh, it's, it's really neat as a parent to bear witness to. And also, um, I think as a parent, it's our role to be um, good stewards of that. Yes. I love that. So this book you wrote, not just for kids, but for grownups too, right? I did. I did. I really um, wanted intentionally to have um, the language be rich. And also, I was so fortunate to work with Chelsea Weisel, who is the illustrator of the book. And I think that her um, just absolute sheer talent really elevates the book as well. And so um, my hope was that whether you're 10 or 100 or any age in between, that um, the book resonates with you um, and that it can grow with age. We're going to pause for a three-minute word from today's sponsors. The first sponsor is Indeed. You know there's a fantastic person out there who will improve your business. The trick is to find them. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You can do it all with Indeed, which is my favorite part. It's simple. Indeed streamlines everything, like the virtual interview, for example. You don't have to make your candidates jump through hoops. The virtual interview tool means there's nothing to download. You just click and talk. 
it's going to save you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that you're growing your own business and you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, only pay for quality applications from resumes that match your job description. You can visit indeed.com slash families to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash families, indeed.com slash families. Terms and conditions apply. Cost for application pricing is not available for everyone. I'm thrilled to have Seed back as a podcast sponsor. Whenever I have a new sponsor, I get to try a product for free. But Seed is one that I have continued to buy month after month for every person in my family. Because not all probiotics are created equal. Seed's Daily Symbiotic is a broad-spectrum, two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic. They have a capsule-in-capsule design. That means there's a little tiny capsule inside the bigger capsule. That helps to protect against stomach acid, digestive enzymes, and bile salts. So it's viable all the way through digestion. The live probiotics actually make it all the way to be delivered into the colon. The Daily Symbiotic supports benefits in and beyond your gut. Seed will support the ease of bloating, healthy regularity, and also your gut barrier, your skin health, heart health, and more. Start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com simple and use the code simple to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com forward slash simple and use the code simple. Our final sponsor for today is a brand new one, Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go. And they don't compromise quality for taste. My favorite so far is the Organifi Gold, which is a great nighttime drink. It eases your body into a calm, relaxed state. But I also really enjoy their Red Juice, which is a caffeine-free energy boost made with real berries, powerful adaptogens, and extremely low sugar. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Head over to Organifi.com forward slash simple and use the code simple for 20% off your entire order. That's Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash simple and use the code simple for 20% off your entire order. Thanks so much for supporting our sponsors. They keep the show in business. Back to our chat. When, after I read the book, I reflected a little bit on the phrase soul sucking. Have you thought about that at all? <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't. But you know, it's funny that you say that because I think um, for some reason that makes me think of adulting. <laughs> like uh, adulting in this modern era is really hard. I, I was about to drop an expletive there, but I won't. It's really hard. And I think that's why it's much more common to become distanced from ourselves. Mm-hmm. But yet, therefore, we have a far greater hunger <laughs> to come back into conversation with ourselves. But again, it can be so soul-sucking, but also distracting that to put that in the center um, of every day is really hard. 
Yeah. And I think, although many of us have probably never used that word soul-sucking and thought about parenthood as being soul-sucking, I think that experience of sometimes it does suck us away from the things that really are special to us within us because we are so distracted by the dishes and the laundry. So I think in some ways, parenthood is soul-sucking because it doesn't always nurture our own selves, right? I think that we have to make space to do that. I don't know. What do you think? Sure. Well, I love that you're bringing this up and asking that question because yes, I wrote this book for my children. And yes, I wrote it because my daughter posed that question, but timing is everything, right? And right around the time that she had asked that question, I was going through my own um, threshold, I guess, in motherhood where I felt my creative life had gone to seed. And again, I think breaking down that word creativity, I I love Brene Brown, how she talks about um, her initial research showing that um, the practice of creativity is so important. And she used to say, you know, I used to think of creativity as like, that's great. You do your ART. I have my (laughs) J-O-B. But that in fact, we are all creative beings and unused, untapped creativity is not benign. It metastasizes. And I remember, I think I was out on a walk um, right around this time. And I heard, you know, I had the podcast in my ears and I heard her say that. And I must have just stopped on my walk and cried. Because though I wrote this book for for my children, it was such a cathartic experience. It was um, maybe 10 years in the making for me to return to writing from a creative, wholehearted place. Um, And so when I finally sat down to write it, it just flowed right through me. I felt more like a conduit to it. Um, And... I think that that's why it also felt important to me that um, we not dumb it down, that it be for children and adults and every age in between. Because I think in motherhood, in parenthood, um, it is so easy to distance yourself from from what, what animates you and what brings you life and what brings you wholeness. And at that time in my life, I, I actually had to think of myself as my fourth child, which sounds really silly, but um, beyond just stepping back each day and evaluating, like, have I nourished myself? Have I gotten enough rest? Am I drinking enough water? It was also really a, a matter of um, allowing myself without guilt um, or like having the right prioritization on time for my own um, creative life to follow the breadcrumbs that were being laid, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talk to a lot of parents who feel like they need support in talking about death. How do you feel like your book and just this conversation of the soul can support that? Or can it? Ooh, um, I haven't thought about that. I see the question of what is the soul as a question of what it means to be a human being, right? Where I say early on in the book, like for you are a soul who has a body, thoughts, and feelings, but you are a soul. I didn't write it from a place of any particular faith. I think it it can be faith-based if that is... Um, the natural springboard for you in conversation with your children um, or no faith 
Um, my One of my kids recently asked me about the kids that grow up in heaven. Mm. So I thought that was such an interesting question. And I, I can't remember what the specific question was, something along the lines of what happens to the kids that grow up in heaven. That gives me goosebumps. Yeah, I thought about soul shine and thinking of explaining that our bodies don't go to heaven. You know, we're Christian. Um, our bodies don't go to heaven, but our souls go to heaven. And seeing that, I think that piece is so hard for people who do believe that you have a soul that goes somewhere else after death. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to capture that without some kind of visual aid, like a book like this. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that there are some really good books out there about, um, you know, tackling the question of, of death. Um, and probably some, you know, more faith-based ones that, um, that take the freedom to talk about like, what does this all do? I've always, again, I think, this go this goes back to the question of like feeling comfortable with space and curiosity that I always say to my kids, if you meet someone who tells you they have all of the answers, especially to what happens after life, be skeptical <laughs> because none of us do. And that is part of the great um, mystery and beauty of what we're experiencing. And helping our children. It's like a muscle that we flex to be more and more comfortable with the questions that emerge and the sense of um, wonder and and the unknowns. Um, It's something that takes root in childhood, I think. Um, And the child is only more well-served if they feel more confident and comfortable in that space of unknown. Yeah. And I think we need to get comfortable with that. I remember, I've told this story a couple times on the podcast, I think, but it was such a pivotal moment, pivotal moment for me when I was probably five or six, I was in the car with my mom and I asked her what the song was that playing was playing on the radio. And this was before it would like illustrated the name of the song. And I, I just asked her and I said, what is this song? And she said, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, but you know everything. I literally until that moment thought my mother knew everything. And that was such a startling time for me to understand that she did not in fact know the name of the song on the radio or many other things in life. And that is something that conversation has always inspired me to show that to my kids, to be be comfortable with not knowing all the answers, with letting them know, I just don't know. There are a lot of unknowns out there. And as parents, I do feel like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be the knowers of all the things and the teachers of all the things. Absolutely. And to be able to model that for them, that mom doesn't know and it's okay. And, you know, we, we, there, there's still, um, safety and comfort in that and, and room for exploration. Um, I think even professionally, my God, you know, especially as women going into, um, the workplace to be able to say, I don't know, (laughs) needs to be far more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, Unknown and uncertainty are two words that really have been on repeat for the past couple of years with the pandemic. 
And I think that that is something I know that I've gotten a lot more comfortable with. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, the uncertainty, the, am I going to be able to schedule my daughter into gymnastics? Um, are we going to be able to work next week? You know, is there going to be childcare? There's so many unknowns, so much uncertainty that felt so uncomfortable at the beginning of the pandemic. Now I I'm, I can sit with that a lot better. I guess that's one one silver lining that came out of it. Yeah, it certainly stretched us outside of our comfort zones. <laughs> right. Uh, but but yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think that we want to provide all the answers or as many answers as we can. And we um, most certainly with our children and in our own lives, hold fast to the illusion of control. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about how the book was developed. How did you, did you just decide, you said it came pouring out of you. What did you do with it at that point? Oh my gosh. You know, I wrote the manuscript and that was really life-giving, but I never would have imagined in the process and um, the journey since just how um, creative and fulfilling this this has been for the last, I guess, let's see, I wrote it in January of 21. So it's been almost two years, and I um, I hired an illustrator, Chelsea, and we um, immediately had a connection, which really helped. And so initially, just um, collaborating on the um, you know our vision for each page of the book um, was so fun, much more fun than I ever would have imagined. Um, and I think it took us about nine months to a year to move from sketching out the initial conceptualizing of the book layout, um, visually, uh, to then her moving into painting it. And she works in, um, acrylic and watercolor here. And she has this really neat technique. One of the things that drew me to Chelsea was that she, um, works with light and I knew really early on that I didn't want to give, air quotes, the soul a character because I really want for each of us to be able to identify um, when we get to that point of the soul. So, so the soul is portrayed through light. And one of the techni techniques that she has is to, um, to lay out the canvas and she could probably tell you in far more detail here, but she, she works with the paint and then pours salt onto this certain kind of paint. And the salt like lifts the color up from the page so that you get the sense of like stars in the, in the night sky and, and that, that glistening feel. And I love that it's also like a slow, patient, steady work. So I visited her studio in, she's in the Sierra foothills and watched her do this. And it's very symbolic because you have to slow down and you can't rush your way through it, which I think is most of our soul work. But um, so, so then we moved into um, the final illustration phase and then I um, hired also the very talented Taylor Jane Roy, who's also based out of California. Um, and she worked with Chronicle Books Kids, and um, which I think is a gold standard. And she did the books layout and design. 
And I guess I had never until this point paid much attention when I'm reading children's books to my kids, how important the layout is of a book beyond the illustrations, but where does the text fall and where um, do things need to pop and what, where's your eye going to on the page? You don't notice it unless it's really wrong. I remember reading some books to my kids where I felt like, where is my eye supposed to go? You know, what am I supposed to be reading when? I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I also started working um, very shortly after I wrote the manuscript with a woman by the name of Bridget Brown, who's with the Advisory Guild, and she works with a lot of female entrepreneurs. And I am going to share this part of the journey because I think it's an example of like, Things can be very meandering and they, there's not always a straight line to the destination. And sometimes you don't know where um, where you're going to end up. And so when I wrote the manuscript initially, I had this vision of um, it being a book set. So it would be a book and um, something akin to a nesting doll where the child could actually physically have that experience of opening up each layer. And as I explored manufacturing and working with industrial designer on this, it was a slow process for me to realize this is actually not the right direction for the book. Um, logistically, one thing I also became that became more apparent to me as a parent is that I know that if my child is gifted a set of something realistically, very quickly, one piece of the set is going to get lost from the other piece and then it's rendered incomplete. Mm-hmm. And, um, And so instead, I decided to incorporate vellum pages into the book, which are these like thick, translucent pages at four junctures. So at each layer, at the body and then the thoughts and then um, the feelings and the soul, we have this vellum page that gives the child the feeling, the effect of peeling back each Mm. layer. And then artistically, I also made the decision that I wanted the book to feel like not only a crossover title where it can be um, just as aesthetically pleasing for children as it is for adults, but um, to do this custom dyed cloth case with the gold foil stamping so that it can also sit on your coffee table um, like a coffee table book. And um it took a long time for all those elements to come together, but it was on the whole, mostly very creative and very fun. I love that. So usually I direct listeners to buy the book wherever books are sold, Amazon, which is where a lot of us go, but you're not selling on Amazon right now. Can you tell us where to find the book? Absolutely. Well, soulshinebook.com. And right now there is the first run of books that are all being sold direct to consumer. You can find us on Instagram at Soulshine Book. Great. So are you, do you have the books? Are you shipping these books out yourself? What does that look like behind the scenes? Yes, I'm doing inventory and fulfillment from home. It is a family affair for the first run of books. Um, So buy them quickly so that we can have the guest room back. (laughs) (laughs) hopefully by the holidays so family can visit, right? (laughs) Exactly, right? (laughs) I love that. I love that. Awesome. So soulshinebook.com and on Instagram at soulshinebook. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I love this. Anything else you want to add? 
You know, I think a lot of times I get the question from people, especially those maybe who haven't read the book yet. Um, okay, this is all fine and good. This is great. But like, how, like, how do I come into conversation with my soul? Because this is really the point of the book is, um, coming into conversation with your soul, there, it, there's no such thing as set it and forget it. This is something that we recommit to every day. And that is going to look different for everyone. You know, for me, it usually is um, through coming back to my breath and through stillness. Uh, sometimes it's by returning to those very dear, very treasured friendships in my life that reflect me <laughs> back to myself. Um, sometimes it's going to places that we treasure that make us feel most in flow with ourselves. So for me, that's the Northwoods of Wisconsin, which shows up in the book with the loon. Um, when I am there, I absolutely feel um, the most at peace and in flow with myself. Um, but generally speaking, I also think about how, so I have three brothers, my younger brother for him, Coming into conversation with his soul often looks like doing so through movement. So for him, it's summiting a mountain or riding his bike from Canada to Mexico. I think movement can also um, be a really powerful way for people to feel disarmed. And so they're in such a place where they're open hearted and, and um, ready to pay attention to them to themselves. Um Dance can do that. I think dance and music, anything that inspires that sense of awe, poetry. I love that you interviewed Maggie Smith because um, I think spending time with poetry can be really transformative, fiction, drama, um, playfulness. I think especially as adults, allowing for more playfulness in our lives, um, unstructured time, things that slow us down and help us to notice more. Because I think when we do that, the answers are all there. Um, they walk us home to ourselves. I guess lastly, I would say I'm, I really believe in the power of nature. Being outdoors, um, having a healthy reminder in um, not just the beauty, but it, it's one reason why I really rooted the book in nature, because I think that um, nature's instinct to express itself so purely, nature doesn't second guess itself. So if we look to that um, as an inspiration to how we lead, I think that um, we're, we're always going to be um, in good hands. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great talking with you today. Oh my gosh, it's been such an honor. I'm so glad we've been able to do this. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to grab a copy of Mary Rob's brand new book, go to soulshine, S-O-U-L, shinebook.com. That's soulshinebook.com. I think you're going to love it. If you want the links to the show notes, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 328. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm glad you're here.